0: It started with a whisper, and now is when I kissed her, and then she made my lips turn. I could hear chit
1: And that was Neon Trees singing their smash hit, Everybody Talks. They're also known for the song, Animal. What are you waiting for? What are for? my heart tonight. And of course the song, Sleeping With a Friend. Sleeping With A Friend is one of my all-time favorite Neon Tree songs, but not because that is something I have any experience with. No further questions, thank you. Okay, but in all seriousness, since releasing their first studio album about 10 years ago, Tyler Glenn, the lead singer of Neon Trees, has really gone through a public transformation. And maybe that's too strong of an assessment for me, but Neon Trees came to public fame as a band of musicians who were all Mormon. That was a huge part of their identity. And since then, Tyler has come out of the closet, and also more recently he's left the Mormon church, leaving it, he says, was even harder than coming out. As you will hear Tyler describe today, now his life looks wildly different than it did just ten years ago. And I think you will find that he is incredibly generous in sharing what that has been like and sharing the fact that he doesn't have it all figured out yet. He is still figuring out what he wants, what he wants his life to look like. And that is something I think we need to hear more of from public figures. So thank you to Tyler for that. And lastly, of course, we also talk about the brand new Neon Trees album. It's called I Can Feel You Forgetting Me. From The Advocate Magazine in partnership with GLAAD, I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ&A. You know, as artists become more famous, their lives and their experiences often become less relatable. And I think we see that show up in their work. And I bring that up because I think the things you're singing about on this new album are shockingly relatable and relevant to the people listening. I have some specific examples, but is that something that you think about or are concerned about?
0: I would say probably. I always want to feel like I'm relating to the audience listening to it. And to me, I suppose I'm famous to some people and I I suppose my band is popular, but I, I still live like a very... I don't know, I, 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 some of it must have to do with like only coming out a few years ago, feeling like myself. So I feel like I'm still very much like, I don't know, just a per- does that make sense? Like just a person with a, a phone trying to navigate romance with apps. And like I, I still am just as much of that, even though I have access to other things and maybe a platform.
1: I mean you bring up romance I think one of the things that like first struck me was about being ghosted and ghosting and I was like oh yeah I guess famous people do have to deal with that as well
0: Yeah and I also have seen the flip like where I've used ghosting to sort of get out of a thing it's this weird thing that I'm exploring in my own life is this modern phenomenon, and we were given all this power, maybe I'm too heady about it. I think we're still in the middle of even understanding what that is. And I feel like I've had one public relationship right after it came out and I really wanted it to work. And I realized like, I still had so much inner stuff to work out. And I, so I, I, I sit here with you as a 36 year old man and I'm like, I don't know if I've ever really been in a, in a, in a relationship that actually is healthy that like, is also public and also like rewarding to the the both of us. It's this interesting thing I'm still navigating as a as a guy, you know. I think for me it's been the last few years of just like why what is codependency? Like why am I feeling this way? Why am I seeking someone so hard to fulfill me? And it's like it's probably stuff that sounds very juvenile, but for me I there's just like aspects of things that I do feel, you know, I'm still having to experience myself, you know.
1: I mean, I think you name check codependency on at least two different songs in the new album. (laughs) I do, yeah. It's not a word I've ever heard in pop music before. Really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a running theme. It's a repetitive lyric on purpose. I think I, not only with the person that I'm directly talking about on this record, but I think my own codependency with my devices, my own codependency with alcohol and drugs. You know, as as a Mormon kid growing up, that was drilled into my head that that's not what you're supposed to do, but you're also not supposed to be gay. And I knew I was gay. So now I'm I'm without labels as an openly gay man who's also not subscribing to that faith expression anymore. I feel like I'm not taught certain basic things. Does that make sense?
1: Are you saying because Mormonism has so many um, no's? You know, you can't drink alcohol, you can't drink coffee, you can't smoke, that you are now late 20s, early 30s, like figuring out your own relationship to alcohol and like everything?
0: I think so. I think. It's even less about the no, it's also the, coupled with this idea that like, and I know Mormonism isn't an exclusive religion that exclusively feels this way, but like, it kind of combines this, this greater existential crisis with drinking coffee, for example, like the fact that you couple that with with sinning. So it's this weird, been this weird navigation of Wait, I I woke up hungover. Does that mean I'm an alcoholic? I don't know. Like, I'm just figuring out maybe stuff you do in your early twenties and get through. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and I
1: have to wonder if that is something that like everybody our age is feeling and thinking about. It just like more like um, pronounced and underlined in your life,
0: probably. And that's been the beauty of being out. I've been out for six years, but I've only really been in my body as a gay man without the trappings of certain things. For the last i don't know three or four years, it does make me feel less alone and make me feel like this is just an isolated experience when i when I see like people that have no relation to the things that I grew up on are still like fumbling with and sort of figuring out. I live in Salt Lake City now and it's a very still like reminding of the Mormon church, but I don't think about it all the time until I have to like share myself or my story and you know for better or for worse, that's a big component of my My life is how that's affected me and me getting out of it and how that's affected me. And
1: I don't want to generalize, but like with Mormons, I guess I'll say with like with Judaism, like there's different like degrees and we like picking shoes. Like for example, I don't keep kosher. I eat pork, different things. Mormons, you don't really have a choice, right? It's like no drinking or making that. No,
0: it, it is. It's like an all or nothing religion in a way. Like it's very lifestyle. You're right. There's no room to be kind of cafeteria and pick the things that makes sense to you, you know what I mean? And I almost wish there was, but I'm glad there wasn't or isn't still because having that line in the sand where I realized like, this language is actually harmful, the messaging hasn't changed. It's still in all of the handbooks of the leaders just to sort of treat homosexuality as a thing you can change or suppress. All these ideas that you understand like actually are gonna just set you up to fail and set you up to sort of live a limited life. I'm happy that it's definitive because I think if it was a bit of like a gray space i don't know if I would have found the courage to just leave it all behind oh that's interesting, yes, yeah, so I'm sort of grateful that it there's such a hard line, and i I'll say on my own behalf I don't think it's a safe space for for queer people. I understand that people have to do what they have to do in their own lives and and, and find joy and solace in their in certain things that maybe I can't anymore but my experience with it is it, it's ultimately a place that doesn't provide any growth spiritually for, for queer people.
1: And despite all that, you still made a home in Salt Lake City. I guess like that connection surprises me.
0: Yeah, it's I've wrestled with that. It, it, a lot of it came from convenience of being on tour and wanting to have a spot where I could come back that wasn't LA or New York. And now we're thrust into this year where I haven't been able to travel for six months. And it is interesting to be here also not have a lot of, I don't mean to sound sad or, or lonely, but not to have a lot of social connections here because my life was so used to going that I didn't really have the time to build connections in this city that my home is. I do feel like really isolated and, and alone. The The Mormon aspect, I don't think about it anymore, even though the city is so overtly Mormon sometimes to a lot of people.
1: When you were leaving the church, and before you like fully announced it, Neon Trees is not a quote-unquote Mormon band, and yet like everyone at the start were Mormons. And I just wonder, like, when you were leaving the church, did you think there was a possibility that that might mean the end of Neon Trees?
0: I think it was a thing on my mind. I I realized we were a band that had reached far beyond our Mormon fan base, but I think there was something sort of a badge of honor about being like a popular band that also didn't shy away from saying, yeah, we're we're Mormon or we were raised Mormon. And there's something fascinating about Mormon culture where we, I think Mormons really like a famous Mormon that's secular and seems cool or seems interesting or or worldly that we can point to that like well they're mormon
1: oh it was good pr for the religion
0: i guess so right (laughs) yeah but then i think the minute you're too gay or the minute you're too secular you're kind of ousted or you're kind of seen as a you know a dissenter or something so for me i was definitely seen as a dissenter when i decided to leave and i used music as a way to channel those feelings and release the record and some visuals that Obviously, I think for for Mormons had sacrilegious undertones and things that were very like sort of blatant and and pointed and doing that. Not considering I had LDS bandmates like Mormon bandmates that. So I think that it was an interesting time for a minute where we were like, "What does this do? Does this sort of cut out a section of our of our listeners? Things like that."
1: And that record excommunication was released just as Tyler Glenn, not Neon Trees, was that a conversation that was had?
0: No, I mean, we had all had a talk around 2000, end of 2015, we were going to take a break. And I was going to do a solo record and my band supported me on that. But my personal life was shifting a lot and I was I was having a crisis of faith sincerely. I can only look back at that year of my life making that record and, and putting it out and promoting it as as just very raw. And Like I was writing the songs, I was making the visuals while I was Really feeling like hopeless and, and sort of out in space, and I didn't consider my bandmates. I don't feel bad about that. I mean we've had talks and we feel some of those those wounds and that miscommunication we had, but I was just so like living in that moment, and I think because it had my name on it and not associated to the band i just I didn't even consider maybe what it would do to that to that name.
1: Well, I think that's why that album is so successful, right? Because it is raw. It wasn't trimmed down, <laughs> you know, to please sure. other band members.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that so much. And I, I tried to take a lot of that into this new record with the trees because I'll be honest, like this is the first record that I've felt really safe in the band. Does that make sense? Like I felt like I always had to hide, this isn't pointing fingers at them, just where we are now. I, I feel like we healed a lot of things and had conversations we had to have. And this is the first record where I feel like really supported by them to sort of go ahead and talk about that. Like I know that might sound small to some people, but I, I like that I'm not I'm not hiding the fact that this is about a guy. And I, I feel no weirdness about it, which feels really good.
1: In all of your music, there's like always like a lyric that stands out to me. I think because it's it's interesting, but also it's easy to consider pop music to be like frilly and meaningless which I think is not correct. But one of the lyrics on your last album that I had to look up because to make sure I was hearing correctly was, I think my father still loves his son. I try to kill myself and I'm not the only one. And it's like both sections of that. But you know, the last one about killing yourself, was that written during that time when you were leaving the church?
0: It was. So it was the end of 2015. I had just ended my first boyfriend relationship and simultaneously there was a policy enacted within the LDS church that doubled down on the anti-gay rhetoric. It affected the Mormon community as a whole. There were a lot of people that maybe were on the fence that had found a way to make Mormonism work, and I think when that was enacted, it pushed certain people over. But there was a a real deep gut punch and sadness to a lot of the queer people that were trying to make the Mormon church work, and I was one of them. It was really um, just—I don't know. I because f- you also feel stupid. You feel like, well, why did why did I believe in that? Like, why did I believe that some fourteen-year-old boy was visited by angels and found golden plates? And I, you start to feel dumb, and you start to feel um, like you could you could easily be lied to in in all aspects. Sorry, I didn't expect to get all um, emotional, but. To, to add to how much like self-loathing you are, you have as, as a queer person, constantly receiving messaging that you're unnatural. For me, I just felt this, this deep sorrow and pain, and then this real desire to want to um, lash out. And I felt this real recklessness with my own life, like I, I just suddenly didn't care at all. And I, I also wrote that lyric speaking to those that did take their life to, during that time. There's a lot of people that have been affected by that policy that the church hasn't apologized to. This church, because they're a church, they have a lot to answer to. And I think that they can just sort of enact these policies and then quickly change them as if God is just this schizophrenic thing in the sky with no clear vision. It's very, it's very frustrating.
1: I've never heard anyone articulate that so clearly what you said, which is like, the church told me being gay was wrong. It is not wrong. What else in my life was I lied to that I believed? And that's a, that's a big question. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I think from the outside, like now I go like, well, of course, why would you believe those things? When it's, it, when it's so tied to your whole like worldview and spiritual view, and like, it's kind of just set out, like, this is what you do. It's tied into your family. It's tied into your culture. I think when it's so connected that way, it's it's really hard to fully grip it out and, and, and to not feel tricked or, or duped.
1: With the, the first part of that lyric, I think my father still loves his son. Is that a lyric your dad ever brought up to you?
0: I love my dad. I have a really great relationship with my father. Um, I've had a complex one in the past. I don't think we've ever talked about that album. And I know he's heard it, but I don't think we've ever really discussed, discussed it that way. I know where he's at in his life and it's a bit of, I know he's feeling how I felt at times where he feels a bit lied to or a bit confused as well. And he's in his 60s and he's straight, but it's never been a deep dive into like those, those things. Uh, Maybe I'll ask him. I mean, maybe you're spurring me on to like, say, hey, dad, how how did you feel about that? No pressure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, just like Mormon, when I think about like Mormons, I think about like strong family values. I mean, I talked about your father. Do you want to be a father?
0: I used to, and I sometimes, I've been saying this thing since I was like in my 20s, like, yeah, I'll probably have a kid in my 40s, like this kind of bohemian thought. But I, I also realize I'm 36 and it's it's ever getting closer to like that that time period where maybe, maybe I would slow down or settle down. I will say it's never been in my mind like I had to have a partner to raise a kid. When I thought about being a father, it was never tied to, well, who's gonna help me raise this kid? Also trying to untie like, do I really wanna be a dad or is that from my upbringing or my all of my siblings are parents and I don't know.
1: I know what you mean. I also hope I hope that like I um, on this podcast, like we can like rant against heteronormativity, you know, like two parents raising a child. And I don't want to do that. I I don't want to like go too far in either direction. Because I don't want people to think if you do want kids and like a heteronormative life, that's wrong. Yeah, I hate going too far either way.
0: Yeah, I think for me, when I talk that way, it's like, I'm not saying maybe I'm right, but I'm right for me. And it's nice to give space for like, choice, right? Like, it's the same thing with like, I'm a sex positive person, but that doesn't mean that every queer person or gay person has to be on the same level that I am or another queer person is. I mean, this could be a whole other conversation, but I think there's this pressure that I've felt like is this how I'm supposed to be if I'm gay? Like, I like giving space and choice and just because you are deciding to be a two-parent household raising a child, that that's not because you're suppressed. You know, I, I do I I agree with you. I think giving space for for choice, it should always be available, right?
1: Yeah, when it comes to like a queer community, do you feel like you have one or are like a part of one?
0: I don't, I don't always. Before it was like, okay, I don't really fit in West Hollywood, I'm gonna go to Silver Lake. It's still this navigation for me. I, I realize too, the importance of a queer friend. I don't have enough of those. So yeah, I, I, I feel disconnected sometimes from, from that, absolutely.
1: Do you think of that as a a trade off that you made in your life? You know, you wanted to be a lead singer of a big band and make it, and you did, and that's a big dream. Like, do you feel like you like chose one over the other?
0: Kind of, yeah. I I think I've had those thoughts and maybe never articulated it, so I might sound unthought out. But I I do I I do feel that way, and it's it's this interesting thing where now I'm I am 36 years old. I feel very very much like just a guy, but then I realize I'm not just a guy to a lot of people, and I have to remind myself, even when meeting new people, what are these people looking for? And I've unfortunately found situations where there is a toxicity or there is sort of like a a using quality, and I don't want to use that as a crutch either. I don't want to use my own success in a, in a certain field or or whatever as a crutch for not developing meaningful... Friendships and things like that. It's I feel in a weird space even in the music in the music world as an openly gay man because I got a lot of initial success in the music world before I was out and then I came out in 2014 and I still sometimes don't I don't always feel acknowledged as a gay artist sometimes and I I sometimes want that I'll see Billboard Pride put up you know five pop stars that are straight, but that like so, sort of speak to the, the queer community. And I, I totally understand, but I, I, I wish that there were, you know, there was more acknowledgement of other queer queer musicians putting out music. And I I sometimes look at my career and I go, I have songs that have reached certain parts of the world. I have access with certain success that I've had. And yet I don't always feel like I am acknowledged as, as a queer artist, especially as neon trees I, I, I and I'm saying these thoughts clumsily, I think, but i I feel like an outlier, even in that space too and i don't I don't know if that's my own process or me needing to work through that, but
1: that is so interesting to hear because I've talked to so many queer musicians who feel like they're pigeonholed as a queer musician and they just cannot break out of that, and that you have the opposite problem
0: yeah, and I don 't know if it's because Neon Trees became popular before I was out and and Neon Trees is is its own th- thing. I do wanna say I am so grateful to the queer audience that do come to our shows and but I feel like I have to sometimes speak under my own name, like to to sort of like get access sometimes. It's it's this interesting
1: That's interesting.
0: Interesting thing. Yeah, I don't know. Because I was still gay, I was still writing about gay experiences. I just hadn't been out. You know, it's, it's interesting.
1: With the early hits that you had um, right at the beginning of your career, I'm thinking about Animal and Everybody Talks. Did you think that it would be easy to have music that was that level of success, like for your entire career?
0: Going into it, I could have not, I could not have imagined it was going to like take off like that. Me and my band were the types that were raised on like bands that got in vans and played. And we did that too. Like, the first five years of our career before we were sign, we got into vans and played for 10 people. And the minute we put out our first song, we started to see traction and it became this crazy thing for us. And then Everybody Talks did the same thing and I, it was this thing where I got used to this idea of like, oh, is it this simple? And then I came out and then I had my own personal traumas and I wanted to progress beyond just a, a certain sound or a certain topic. And I've seen that maybe affect certain songs, but I like that, I like that. I think it's only brought me back to the idea of like, owning your truth and loving and, loving and standing by the work that you do and, and putting out honest work. And I, I don't know, like I'm happy that those songs exist and they, they almost live apart from even me and my band anymore. Like they're just sort of these songs that, you know, they're, they're like TikTok memes now, it's crazy. I've also seen the business change immensely in the last 10 years. And like all industries, they're going to adapt and change. And so I'm not sort of saying it's this vile thing, but I do wrestle with like, is this even the industry that is healthy for me? Like I got into it as an artist and a fan of music and wanted to go play shows. And it's so not what it was even 10 years ago. And it's just, I wrestle with uh, even even doing it. And yet I have this, career that i've built why why would i want to like leave that behind i don't know it's just, it's an interesting transitional space that i'm into
1: with what you just said how much of that is also being amplified in your brain because of like the world right now with the pandemic
0: yeah i'll be honest a lot of it is me considering and i because i live alone i have a lot of time with my own thoughts so it's, it i think a lot of it does go with like what's the next thing that i'm going to sink my teeth into and I wonder sometimes can I do another 10 years of this? Not because I'm I don't have creativity or like a direction or a vision for music, but do I are there things I want to say outside of just this this model now of my career? Like maybe there's things and 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 ways I can use my talents elsewhere. But then bringing up the the pandemic, it's like I don't even know what that looks like next year. And we live in such an uncertain time of yeah. of transition and culture, and I, I'm excited for it. I wonder that, like, obviously we've been a lot of my life has been taken away from the live show aspect, and that's something we've thrived on for for so long now. I don't know if I'm going to reach the point where I just go fuck it all and I'm I'm going to move to Montana. I don't know if that will happen, but maybe, <laughs> and then <laughs> maybe I'll be a dad. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting.
1: I'm really worried because I have priorities. I'm really worried about all my favorite bars closing.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's no, so totally. interesting
1: to think about, like also bands, like quote unquote closing and like not surviving the pandemic. I've never like thought of that before.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we've built enough of a career where we've withstood. We've withstood years where it felt like this is a slump. But I agree with you. Like culture is in a it is in a transitional mode. It's going to be interesting. What. The rest of this decade has in store for, for all industries, you know, but definitely gig industries. I think about drag queens. I think about sex workers. I think about a lot of the, a lot of queer artists that rely on the gig industry and it's, it's been stripped. So,
1: yeah, I almost had to let you go, but I have one more question, which is that all of your social media handles are Tyler in a coma. Can you explain that for us?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's actually just, it's pretty simple. I am a big Smiths fan, the band of Smiths and they have a song called Girlfriend in a Coma. And I I think back in like the AIM, my space days, I was calling myself Tyler in a Coma. And so I just always kept it. It's very like my early 20s, just like stuck with me sort of thing. So it's nothing too deep. No, it's actually not, no, no, no.
1: Well, this was so much fun. Thank you for talking to us.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: All right, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Tyler as much as I did. The new album from Neon Trees is called I Can Feel You Forgetting Me. Check it out right now. And while you're at it, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. We're coming at you next week with a brand new interview with Chastin Buttigieg. And I think it's a side of him you have not heard before. So hit subscribe, hit us with a five-star ranking, Hit us with a nice comment on iTunes, and I will hit you back with more amazing content weekly on Tuesdays. Okay, this podcast is brought to you by The Advocate Magazine in partnership with Glad. Come check out all of our amazing work. We're at advocate.com and glad.org. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I will see you next week with Chastin Buttigieg. All right, bye.